Hello, I'm Monty. Hi, I'm Rias. We are Monty and Rias, and we versus move. It's true, we do. And um, today we're going to versus all of 2023. All of it. There are thousands of movies that came out in 2023. And we watched uh, some of them. It's true. I decided to make my uh, best of list by just scrolling through IMDb and looking at every movie that came out in 2023 and then uh, selecting the ones I had seen and liked. And that was a big mistake. I got to like 3,000 movies and I had to stop scrolling. I'm going to blow your mind right now by telling you there is a movie you should have put on your list that was not on the list you were looking at. It's probably true because I stopped scrolling. I stopped at 3,000. I gave up. And how far down do you think you would have had to scroll to get to the movie Hamburger Dad? Oh, Hamburger Dad? That was this year? That was this year we saw Hamburger Dad. Oh my Dad. God. Well, I have got to get <laughs> clearly Goodbye Oppenheimer, Hello Hamburger Dad, my top 10 list. We did talk about Hamburger Dad on the podcast episode. It is a uh, amateur film, also an amateurish film. Uh, about a dad who's a hamburger. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Wakes up one day, he's a hamburger. Now he's got problems. He does. He's a hamburger. Yeah, he's got a mouthy kid. Uh, so yeah, I was just going to say that that's, that's a bonus movie that, because I actually kept track this year, I knew I watched. I tried to keep track, but then I lost track of how I was keeping track. Yeah. Uh, my cinematic experience of the year was seeing A Star is Born. Uh, not a Star is Born. I did watch all the Star is Born, and they were fun. Mm-hmm. But I watched Stop Making Sense. Oh, yeah. You went and saw that in IMAX, didn't you? Yeah, IMAX. And the sound design was so cool. It was like when the crowd in the movie applauded, ju- the sound came from just the audience part of the auditorium. So it's like I'm oh, in that's... an audience that's applauding. That's pretty cool. And it's like that no matter what the sound looks like on the that's that's really nice. Yeah, and because Stop Making Sense is a great, great movie. And it's one of the best concert films ever made. Yeah, really enjoyed that. I don't know why I didn't go? I think I had a headache that day. I was yeah. tired. I'm old. Uh, what did you particularly enjoy from this year? Uh, let's see. I enjoyed a lot of stuff from this year. I've got my top ten list here. So I enjoyed at least 10 movies. Congratulations. Um, I really am enjoying the show Warrior, which is an HBO match show. Um, it's based on the notes that Bruce Lee made that eventually ended up turning into Kung Fu. It's super, super violent. It takes place in California and the Barbary Coast. Lots of pit fighting and blood. And it is an HBO Max show, so there's so many boobs. More than you would expect. Sounds fun. It is really fun. Um, there's no reasons of it. It got canceled after the third. I've watched the first two scenes this year, and I really liked both of them. All right. Uh, you want to go through your top 10 list? Sure. My top 10 list is probably not in order and may not have 10 films on it. But my number one film of the year was probably uh, Babylon, a movie which when we did our podcast, I said I didn't like it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's grown on me. Yeah, I love Babylon. Babylon, I think technically a 2022, but we're as commoners, we're not able to see it until pretty right. sure. Right. I think it came out in theaters like the last week of 2022. We're counting it as 2023. Yeah. You guys can complain if you want. Write in. Tell yeah. us how much you hate us. It's always the best. Yeah, I thought Babylon <laughs> was a ton of fun. Production design, the just over the top. It is. I. I'm not sure if fun is the word I would use for it, but it is spectacular. It is a spectacle. Spectacular. Yeah, it's a spectacle. Yeah. Um, And very few people saw it, 
which is a shame, but I can see why people who are normal might be turned off by it. Hey, just listen to the soundtrack. Soundtrack's great. Soundtrack's am- Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Lots of music that sounds like the squirrel nuts yeah. like in the opening parties. So that's uh, Babylon. That was my number one favorite in that I'm kind of judging it by do I want to see We have it on TV, and just today it was, I gotta get some of my friends to watch Babylon so I can see it again. So that's why it's my number one movie. All right. Uh, I didn't really rank them. Yeah. Okay. I just made a list of movies I wanted to talk about. So I'm hoping that some of them will be on your list, and if they're not, then I'll uh, come in okay. later on. Like, All right. Like Hamburger Dad. I was like, I want to talk about Hamburger Dad. And, and we did. shoved it into the list. What a beautiful prophecy. I did make uh, plans for other segments later on. And for my movie list, it is not ranked. Oh, good. Because mine, I was desperately trying to find a list of 10. But there are some on there that I really did like. A Babylon loved it. Godzilla minus one. Oh, my God. They finally got Godzilla right. Let's talk about Godzilla minus one, shall okay, we? Okay. Let's what talk about it. great movie. Turns out. I really like Godzilla more when he is the manifestation of PTSD and guilt than when he's just punching another guy in a suit. Yeah. When Godzilla means, when Godzilla is a symbol as well as a far more. Yeah. But this Godzilla also smashes the heck out of Tokyo. Man. The scene where some people are talking and they're like, I hear Godzilla's coming and a battleship just flies over their head and crashes. Amazing. Yeah. This movie really combines a human level understanding of Godzilla with excellent Godzilla destroying a city footage. Yeah, the Godzilla destroying a city footage is scary. I mean, because we've seen so much cities being destroyed from various things in real life by now. Um, So the Godzilla destroying a city feels much more realistic than it used to. Um, There's a scene where... I will not spoil the movie, but there's a scene where something traumatic happens and the main character is laying in the streaming and crying and it starts to and the black. And that was like, I, I loved that scene. Yeah. Um, and the way they used the soundtrack to the original Godzilla movie. Yeah. It shows up at the very end. It's not like most of the movie is not the Godzilla soundtrack. But at the very end, you get the old Toho music, but it's been remixed. Yeah, it's been reimagined, but it's still basically the Godzilla. I loved it. Yeah. I loved the I loved the character. I loved the idea that there actually were kamikaze pilots who, who didn't do it, who survived because they just could not bring themselves to fly their suicide mission. That's something you don't hear about very often. Yeah, it was very from a Japanese point of view. Yeah. And like I say, I like it more than your Godzilla vs. Kong, the late, the recent yeah, ones. Yeah, the, the American Godzilla movie, the recent ones, like the Godzilla versus what I remember about that movie has nothing to do with the story. It has to do with that cool scene where they're fighting through downtown and they're all lit up by the knee through it. So they look like um, old Fantastic Monsters and covers where they use the real bright psychedelic paintings or the psychedelic colors on monsters. And that's what I remember about Godzilla versus that cool looking lighting. I don't remember why they were fighting. Can't we? No. You know, I want to say it's easy to say, well, Godzilla minus one does does Godzilla right because human level and it's emotion because it's Japanese and Godzilla versus Kong does it wrong. Just monsters punching each other and it's American. Mm. But the Japanese have made Plenty of Godzilla movies where yeah. Godzilla is just punching something. And there's plenty of room for that, too. 
Oh, absolutely. I don't feel like those are necessarily inferior Godzilla movies. They're just kind of Godzilla exactly. movies. Exactly. When I was a kid, if you had shown me Godzilla minus one, I probably would have been annoyed by how little monster punching. Yeah. But Godzilla minus one is... An- and sometimes you just want to see a cardboard city get stomped on by a big rubber foot. Yeah. And that's out there for you. What else you got? I've got May December, the new Todd Haynes film. That is on Netflix. There's uh, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore? Yeah. Yeah, we watched that. That's a very Todd movie. That's a very Todd Uh Basically, it's based on that, on Mary an actual Kay case. The Mary Kay Letourneau case, which took place real close to our neighborhood, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, she was like a teaching in an area near us, so we were getting a lot of the news story, even as America was getting them on frontline TMZ-style T-shows. Yeah, the premise of the movie is that Natalie Portman is going to appear as a Mary Kay Letourneau character, so she is studying with Julianne Moore, who is playing the original Mary Kay right. Letourneau character, to pick up her uh, mannerisms and stuff. Right. But as she, the more time she spends with her, the more, it's like, you know, it's a messed up relationship because she's a 13 year old boy, but the movie kind of shows you how that plays out when they're both older, both adults, and she still treats him like child in a lot of ways. And he is stunted in a lot of weird ways that the actor absent. Yeah, he's uh, Charles Melton, and I loved his performance. Oh, yeah, he was, was Reggie. Yeah. Season. And his performance is subtle because he doesn't have a lot of lines, but just radiating, radiating, radiating this weird, I'm pretty messed up, but, yeah. I'm, but I'm a normal guy thing. Yeah. You know, because at this point, they have kids that are the age he was when he got together, and that's got to be... I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, Todd Haynes, his visuals in his films are always gorgeous. Um, the story is the story's interesting. <laughs> um, Natalie Portman uh, starts being real creepy. Natalie Portman gets real creepy in it, which is probably fun for her. I imagine she's wanted to be real creepy in a while. In Black Swan. Yeah. You know, it's a nice change from being... Any other movies on your list you want to talk about? Uh, I've got Nimona. Uh, Nimona was so good. It's uh, animated. Yeah. Another Netflix show. Um, in fact, my next. But Nimona is just fun, charming, and about trans identity. Yeah. But not in a way that you're like, oh my God, this is so about trans. The original comic was only subtextually about trans identity in that the writer did not realize that it was. Yeah. Until later when they realized, hey, I'm trans. No wonder I wrote this. And the next thing on your list was Across the Spider-Verse? And the next thing on my list, I put my animated movies together. I so I've also got Across the Spider-Verse. I saw Spider-Verse the second drive-in oh, in Northern Maine. And it was an yeah. unsatisfactory. Yeah, you've told me about the drive-in yeah, I mean, tragedy. I love drive-ins. The Cherry Bowl drive-in, Traverse City. But the thing is that drive-ins tend to kind of wash out the picture. It's not strictly black. Right. And the projector has to go much farther than a regular projector, much, much brighter. Twice. So the effect was that I could really not see everything on screen. And Across the Spider-Verse, for me, is a movie about the visuals. Yeah, it's about the color and the way that the art style the character. And if you can't see that, it's just about sitting in your car. And Yeah. Also, the ending still infuriates. Yeah, the ending of Across the Spider-Verse, and I'm going to spoil it, is that it just says to be continued at, the, at a very important part of the film. Yeah. Um, the music is crescendoing. Everybody's gathering everybody's for the forward. giant There's attack. There's going to be a big fight. It's great. All the Spider-Men are 
hanging out together. They're all activated. Here's the portal. And here and we click. Yeah. Just, it's like you're going up the stairs and the stair missing. You go, oh, oh, and then it's over. It really left a bad taste in It did. I think everyone, everybody I've talked to that has seen it felt the yeah. It was like, you know, you could have ended it before the big battle and kind of faded it out, faded your out so that they're like, come back. For but opening the portal and then ending it? No. Yeah. No. Rude. And especially what with the strikes and to be a while. Yeah. It's I, just rude is all. Yep. Um. You got a John Wick Chapter 4 on your list? Four. All right. I'll talk about John Wick. Uh, I like John Wick Chapter 4. The John Wicks are starting to become a little formula, but I enjoy the formula. Um, I like that they committed to always giving me something interesting to look at in their action scene. Yeah. Not just there's, somebody shooting. There's a couple of sequence things that I really loved in it. There is this where a guy is trying to run away up a stairs and a woman with two knives is following him and basically climbing over him. And using the knives to just dig into him and pull herself up as he stares. That's an amazing shot. It's really cool. And, and the uh, scene where John Wick is basically fighting his way into a house. The yeah. camera moves to above it. So it's like now you get a whole different angle. Right. You get to action. see the whole floor of the building. So the bad guys are coming in from both doors. And you can see where John Wick is going down the middle and what he's about to run into. He knows. I thought that was really fun and a really interesting way of doing it. It felt a little Wes Anderson, but in a fun, but in a really good way. Because Wes Anderson does that thing where he'll move. Oh, I would love to see Wes Anderson action. Yeah. So it would highly be choreographed. Um, I'm going to jump ahead really quickly to the mm-hmm. what's coming in 2024 section to say that there's a movie coming out next year called, this year I guess, called Ballerina that I am tented interested in conditionally. I, I, I saw that. No idea what it's about. It is a John Wick spinoff about Angelica's ballet school. Remember how that Angelica yeah, Houston yeah. is in a school of, or something? Yeah. Suspiria. Well, she might be. This movie is directed by Len Wiseman of the Underworld movies. Okay. So that like lowers my expectations to where I am very much looking forward to watching them on the couch in a couple of years and probably not paying that. But what if it turns out to be really good? Then you're like, I should, we should have seen that in the theater and podcasted about it. If it turns out really good, we'll hear about it. This is just, you know. That's true. That's what true. I know about the movie is the words that I said about it. This is my initial reaction. Huh. That's all. What else you got? Uh, next movie on my list, I have Renfield. 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 One of two Dracula-themed movies that came out this year. There were many Dracula. Well, I only know Renfield and Last Voyage of the Demeter. What else has Dracula? There's like, I, I was scrolling through IMDb and there's like a Turkish film or there's like Ghosts of Dracula. Uh, there there were just so many movies with Dracula for this in the IMD that I've not seen. I haven't even seen Voyage of the Demeter yet and it's right there. My television right across the room from me. So what do you think of it? I liked it. I thought it didn't take it too serious. I think Nicholas Holt is really enjoying playing lately. <laughs> lately? Lately. When, when, who would ever cast him for a Nazi character? Surely he did. Well, he... Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm like... <laughs> Were you going to say that he was he not s- goofy in Fury Road? <laughs> no, I thought... They- the Great? No, the, he had a... But yeah, no, he's definitely goofy in The Great. Uh, but yeah, he seems to really be having fun with his life, and I hope he... Um, I really enjoyed Nicholas as Dracula. Yeah, he seems to be having he a was, good time. He always seems to be having a good time, but he felt... There were scenes that he felt legitimately scary. Hey, uh, tangent. You just saw Nicholas Cage's other vampire movie. Oh, I did. I just watched Vampire's Kiss because I remember not liking it when it originally came out. And then I listened to a podcast about how terrible it was. And I thought, 
Maybe it's not that terrible. How terrible is it? Oh, oh God. Yeah. It's just terrible. He's abusive to every woman in the movie, including his own therapist. He doesn't yet have control over the dial. Yeah. So he's just at 50 immediately. Yeah. Which now, yes, he does what Outlaw Vern calls mega acting. But like if you see Mandy, there's layers and levels that he goes through. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, that movie Pig, where the guy who has a, and that's kind of a dramatic role. And he, yeah. He's not. Yeah. But uh, Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss is terrible. He's good in Renfield. Renfield has a set decoration that I enjoy, which is Dracula's. And it's surrounded by what looks like a stained glass window. But when you come up close, it's all blood bags from hospitals that have hung around the... Yeah, the, I, I love that scene. The, the light lighting shows was, through it. It's very cool. Yeah. The lighting in that was perfect. That scene was amazing. Whoever designed it. Um, I guess I don't have ten movies and stuff. Well, a Star is Born. We watched all of the stars we are born. All the stars. Uh, started with nineteen seven. It's a nineteen thirty seven is a pure Hollywood. Yep. Fairy tale kind of thing. Well, it's a Hollywood fairy tale where a guy killed. Well, the heck with that but, guy. He was a jerk. Yeah. Then the nineteen seventy six one, which was uh, Barbara Streisand uh, and, and Chris Christopherson. Yeah, and she. They were both pretty good in. Yeah. Um. Like, in the first one, there was no chemistry between Gloria Gaynor and the lead at all. There's not that much barbarous, if I'm being... That's not what you said when you watched it. That is exactly what I said. I believe what you said. Adult language. Yeah, in that other movie, there was no chemistry, but these two look like they would fuck. That's what I said about the third movie with Bradley. Oh, okay. The Barbara Streisand movie, it's good. It's interesting that now it's about a singer, but still going into Hollywood. Like, they haven't quite finish the transition out of Hollywood in singer mode. That's true. Um, it's allegedly about rock and roll. They keep saying it's about rock and roll. But, but none of the music in it is rock and roll. Yeah, it's very soft rock at best. And it's weird that Chris Christopherson doesn't perform, like as a performer of songs in this movie, I thought he was not very convincing, which was which weird. Which is weird because that's what he does for work in the real world. Yeah. But this movie is primarily and above all a show showcase for Barbara Streisand singing. She sings several complete songs, and she's a very good singer. Yeah, the gays are totally right about Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, we watched the Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga one, mm-hmm. and that's the one where I said... Oh, those two want to fuck. You forgot one. Oh, right. I forgot the Judy Garland one. All right. Well, I'm, can I talk about the one I just started talking about? Then we'll go back to Judy. All right. So um, I was very skeptical of the Bradley Cooper one because I remember when it hit film festivals, everybody, com was like, this movie is going to win Best Picture. This movie is going to win Best Picture. I was like, movie directed by an actor co-starring Lady Gaga? Sure. So I didn't watch it. And then it did not win Best Picture or Best Actor. And I was like, huh, see, I was right. It's not that good. <laughs> um, the movie that did win Best Picture is Green Book. And the guy that did win Best Actor was Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, both of which I can now say are objectively terrible decisions. Yes, they are not nearly <laughs> as good as A Star is Born. Yeah, Bradley Cooper, excellent in A Star is Born. Really good direction in it. Yeah. Really um, interesting things happen in that. Yeah. Also, very good at singing on stage. Uh, one of my yeah. things lately, people not looking like they have ever held a guitar before when they're supposed to be playing. <laughs> not an issue. He definitely looks like he's playing that guitar. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I loved this, A Star is Born. And you're right, I did forget the Judy Garland Star is Born, which, I don't know, this is as histrionic as it gets you. Yeah, and Judy was not at the top of her game. Yeah. She was older. You can. She looks pretty haggard. 
I mean, um, we had we have also just recently watched Valley of the Dolls and Beyond the, <laughs> and that's kind of explicitly fall the stage of yeah, her career. Yeah, it's kind of a rough watch. Yeah. Well, let's be fair. I enjoyed watching all of these. It's fascinating to me watching how a story gets adapted every twenty years. Right. What is what's changed about it? Like uh, the. Janet Gaynor. Janet Gaynor one, she's an innocent farm girl who has just come from the Midwest to be a star. She becomes a star. And then Judy Garland's character has been around for a while because there's no way they script it so she's a young, innocent, bright-eyed girl anymore. Yeah. And then by the time you get to Lady Gaga, she performs in a drag bar every week. Yeah. Just, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed doing that sort of thing where I say, let's watch all of this thing. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, just a couple other things that I thought were okay. We can move on if you want. Okay. Uh, Street Dance of China. Ooh, the one and only. No, we're talking about Street Dance of China. The one and only <laughs> is a movie you decided not to mention. We watched three movies starring Wang Ebo this year. Wang Ebo, of course, is somebody who, from, who was on Street Dance of China and was in The Beloved. Those three movies are Hidden Blade in which he is Tony Lung's stone-faced assassin. The sure. one and only, in which he is the captain of a street dance. And Born to Fly, in, in which, which he is Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Yeah, he's a he's a test pilot for jets. Born to Fly is all about the uh, glorious Chinese Air Force and how the Americans have screwed it up. Yeah. A- anyway, street It's a propaganda da- film. What are you going to do? Anyway, I think it's weird that this guy has made three movies in one year. He has yeah. got to take a break. Oh, he has. Apparently, he has not been doing, he hasn't really done a movie since May. He did all the publicity for those this year, and then he took some time off and just started traveling around going to fashion. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, apparently, he has had a break. Good. So, Street Dance of China. We are deep in season six right now. They have changed the system. There are three captains instead of four now. The three captains are a guy named Van Ness Wu, a guy named Jay Park, and a guy named Ding. Right, it's very bad. She's trying to make a nest on a on a coat. I should have put so she couldn't nest on it. I thought she was polite, but no, she is a rude little doll. Do you have anything to say about Street Dance of China? Oh, I love Street. Okay, so Street Dance of China, I believe we've talked about before on this show. Yes, we have. Competitive uh, dance show. But the things that I really like about Streets of China are that when you see these the dance competitors, they're often people that are the best in the world, literally, at doing this. Yeah, so they're like, people that have won the world championship several times. Like a guy got eliminated last week, and they're like, "Well, it's not too bad that he got eliminated. He's he's on the Olympic team, and he has to go work with them." Yeah, all these people have like four world records. Or, yeah, or have. Or been world champion four times. Right. I don't know if they're a world record. Yeah, so when there's a dance battle between two guys, you're like, oh my God, that guy is the best at this dance style, and he's battling the other guy that's the best, and it's really interesting to watch. There are things that... There's this guy named Neguin from Brazil who does capoeira, and I don't think gravity applies to him. He can just... He'll just be standing there and, and then he'll flip up flip. in the air. He'll just suddenly he has jumped up and done a backflip and landed on exactly the same spot and like it was nothing. It's absolutely amazing. Right now, I think there are twenty four or competitors divided yeah. into Yeah. Um that probably means we're like a month or a month and a half away from it. They love to introduce crazy rules and bring people back and say 
Now, you will eliminate four people unless your team wins this challenge, in which case you will Ugh. gain seven people. Unless they yeah. deliberately make the rules so confusing, no one knows at all what's going I'm on. Not there and for that's the very rules. refreshing because that way you can just watch the dancing. Yeah, I'm like, but then, like, at the end of one of the episodes, Van Ness Wu had to cut six people. And his team has 12 people on. And they didn't win their dance battle. So now they have to have another round of dance battles where he hopes that his team can win some so he can, so he doesn't have to get rid of that many. And because everybody on the team, the way the show is done, you really, some of the, some of the dancers have been back for multiple seasons. So you're like, you cannot cut Ibuki. I love Ibuki. She's amazing. Ibuki is a whacker, which is a, a dance style where you uh, put your hands up and then wave your hands around wildly. Yes, it's uh, from the ballroom. It's, it's like voguing except super, super fast. I swear I saw somebody, a whacker, on an early So You Think dance. Maybe. Back when they they like to have people audition in their local style, which is usually very uh, limiting. Yeah. But Ibuki doesn't just wave her arms. She's very good with her legs and like her uh, yeah. silhouette. She has a really good, and she always looks really happy and like she's having a, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's the other thing I like about the show. When people are eliminated, they're always talking about, well, I met so many cool people on this show and I learned all this stuff from them. And then, like, if you follow them on Instagram, like, three years after they've been on the show, they're still hanging out with people they met on the show. Yeah, it's very sweet. Moving on. Coming yeah. in 2024. We started on one of my subjects. What am I looking forward to in 2024? Well, I've well, got a few movies. Obviously, I am looking forward to Furiosa. I think it's very funny that its official title is Furiosa. A Mad Max saga. <laughs> because you've got to have Maxes in because no, people not, won't. Not because of that. Because you know how some pretentious movies say, this chapter, this chapter. Well, each movie is its own saga. Oh. Like, I like that it's going the other direction. It's not just a chapter of a larger work. This is its own gigantic saga yeah. within the unimaginable grandeur that is the, the Mad, Mad Max, Max universe. universe. Sure. I'm very excited about it. Looking forward to it. Um, there is Dune 2, which Dune 1 was amazing. I can't see why it wouldn't be. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, uh, Beetlejuice 2. Yeah. It's going to have Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder and Catherine O'Hara and Jenna Ortega. I'm Yeah, and I'm not like, I'll watch, I'm not like a huge Tim Burton fan. I think Beetlejuice 2 but... is going to be more a sequel to the cartoon than it is to the movie. Ooh. And my evidence for that is that Gina Davis... No, they were at the end of the movie. They were living at the end yeah. of the movie, and they're You're allegedly right. no the protagonists her. of the movie. But everybody knows it's all about Winona, or uh, Lydia, yeah. and Beetlejuice. He's out. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else have I got? Uh, a movie called Problemista which was supposed to be released last year. It is an A24 movie written by and starring Julio Torres. Hello. Yeah, I love him. He was in uh, Los Espooky. And um, it's a movie about him trying to get his work visa to work in America. Um. But it's also crazy. Like, if if you don't get your visa, you just disappear. Just pop out of existence. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah. That's going to be great. It was supposed to be released, and then they 
then the strike started like the week it was going to be released and they decided not to release it and now it's on a shelf and it just says to be announced on the A24 website so they need to get it together and get that movie out is Nosferatu is Probably, right? yeah. yeah we're looking forward to Nosferatu yeah the uh promo image great you know that director loves to make people suffer he does so uh everybody will be appropriately sad I am looking forward to a movie called The Fall Guy. Is that based on the TV show? Yes, it is based on the Lee Majors TV show about a stuntman who solved crime. Wow. It, it will star Ryan Gosling, who I think, based on the evidence of Barbie, has energy that could adapt to Oh, Ryan Gosling's definitely got energy. It's directed by David Leach, who did Atomic Blonde and Shaw, and is a former stuntman himself. Well, so, that same show was by a stuntman. Yeah, The Fall... The Fall Guy should like start with a giant stunt for no reason, just to show the guy at his job. Right, so you can see him falling, and you get the pun in the title. Yeah, so I think this movie might just be a glorification of stunt performers, which, hey, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, absolutely. Yeah. So what did you hear that wasn't maybe a news that you really liked? Uh, I really liked the movie Chimes at Midnight. Orson Welles? This is Orson Welles' uh he really likes the character Falstaff. Everybody does. Everybody likes Falstaff. So he took the Falstaff scenes out of Henry the Fourth Part One and Henry the Fourth Part Two and some of Mary Wadger and just stuck them all together and made a movie. Uh, it apparently was very patchy the way all of his movies were, where he kept not getting funding. He would have mm-hmm. to dub some of the actors himself. He only for three days, so now he had to shoot them. Yep. But Oh, it comes together marvelous. Sure, because you're following the character. Falstaff has a distinct plays. Yes, he does. But not everyone not everyone has seen all every play with Falstaff in. So this is kind of like a- Yeah. And he's he was born to play Falstaff. Like Falstaff is canonically a hugely fat liar who everybody loves because he's incredibly charismatic. Yeah, I can see Orson. And it's shot, it's beautiful. So yeah, I saw it uh, chimes. Yeah, it's uh, black and white, but it's got re- almost a film noir quality. Yeah, lighting. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I saw this year that I was really into. What did you see this year that you? Um, I saw a few things. I just, I well, we both watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, the yeah. anime one. Yep, got all the way through that. Got all the way through it. We started it a few years ago and then just kind of didn't got distracted, didn't make it through. Went all the way through. Absolutely loved it. Now we're starting Legend of Korra. We're a season or we're a book season. through that. Yeah, we're in book. Just starting book, the Book of Souls. Spirits. Spirits. Um, I saw there's a show on Netflix that I really liked that's about a demon hunter in Me- called Diablero that I really enjoy. Um, the reason what I like about it is this guy is an exorcist and they have a whole demon based economy. You get a demon out of somebody, you put it in a bottle, then you take it down to this guy that runs a fight club and he buys your demon from you. And then people come into the fight club and they pay to get the demon put into them so they get all demoned up and then they fight on exhibit in the ring. And that's not the plot of the show. It's just a subplot in the background. Huh. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's what this character does. Is that what's been going on that show? Well, they're trying to find a little girl who kidnapped, whose father is mm. is basically the overarching. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different little things that fit in. Uh, there's a girl who is very good at being, that is pow- superpower. See, Rice is watching these ro- show, this show. I'm in the room, but it has subtitles, so I'm not looking up that often. Right, you're on the computer. So I'm like... 
I get a third of what's happening. Yeah. And wild stuff. I have trouble connecting one scene to the next. <laughs> it's 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 good. It's fun. It's well written. Um, I think that the books take place in Los Angeles, but I think that the movie takes place in Mexico, possibly Mexico City. So it's yeah. So it's a really fun show. I like it. Um, I have been watching Star Trek Lower Deck, which is oh. the first Star Trek show I've really gotten. Is that the anime one? That is. Oh. Now, until the recent explosion of Star Trek shows, I watched the first five or six episodes of every Star Trek and uh, never really felt like I watched some of the original series. And I'm like, yeah, original series. Eh, I just don't watch it. I'm really <laughs> enjoying Lower Decks, though. Um, what are you enjoying about Is it comedic? It is comedic, and I like that. Uh, people call it Rick and Morty-like, which it is not. It's just adult animation-like. Mm. Um, it's got jokes about Star Trek, but it's also recognizably Star Trek-y. Yeah. And I like the uh, cast. Uh, Tawny Newsome is a main character. Darrow, and I like oh, all those. No. Um, Let's see. Oh, I watched a... I got caught up in a Chinese TV show called Sunshine by My Side, which is about a young graphic designer who has a crush on a woman who directs much older. And he is in love with her and is trying to win her heart. She has recently divorced her husband, who is who sleeps around with everyone. And it's a charming ensemble slice of show. And it was just, I would race home every day to watch the new episodes, not like me in general. So yeah, I really liked it. It's not just about this guy. You, you meet his parents who are an older couple who have different values than the kids today. And I just enjoyed it. Uh, another thing I've been watching at work some days, mm -hmm. uh, Fantasy High Sophomore. Uh, Fantasy High is a D&D &D setting on Dimension 20, Dropout EV, uh, sophomore year, because it's the second year they did it. Um, it's really good. I'm only about halfway through, and junior year is going to start next week, so I might... You better start. You better pick it up. Um, Dimension 20 and Dropout in general, I've really been enjoying their uh, products. Yeah, they've got some really good stuff. They've had some shows. There was an older show that we watched on there. Um, Total one, Forgiveness. Total Forgiveness would just... It's a game where... Two people have to dare each other to do things, and the person and the person who wins the dare gets part of their uh, college debt paid off. Yeah, so like three thousand dollars, and then they have to come up with dares that are worth three thousand. Yeah, and it's two people. The consensus who, is that one of them went too far. One of them does go too far. <laughs> but it all gets wrapped up very beautifully at the end of the series. Yeah, it's a very sweet ending, and you cry. And it's not it's not a scripted show, game show. But yeah, at the end, it's very sweet. And the person that went too far realizes yeah. their error. <laughs> and I really liked that. Um, and we watched that document. One of the things about Dimension 20, it's a live play dungeon style show, is that they have a gaming table and they have these amazing set pieces on the table. Like one of them is a Harry Potter. So you see the the table is built like a hill. You see the school on top of the hill. And they have like the football field is, is the gaming table where you put your miniatures. And they're all really amazingly done. And we watched a documentary about the how they build them. Yeah. And it was not at all what I expected. It's a delight. Yeah, we expected they were built close to where they are filmed, which is in Los Angeles. Right. I mean, they probably, they have all their material. They just build everything for the next and while they're filming. And, and that's not at all what happened. In fact, they're built up near us in an island up near Seattle. Yeah, they're built on an island by a guy who kind of lives off the grid 
in a way. Um, he just has, he's like, has this, this big barn on his property and they build them in the barn and the people that make the miniatures and stuff come and camp out on his land all summer. And they have like a camp out at night and then all day they work on kit bashing these miniatures together to make the show. And it's, and then they ship them down to LA and finish them down there. But yeah, I had no idea that it was like a local guy or anything. And it's such an interesting way to work. Yeah. It's just like, it's like you get to hang out with your friends and you're accomplishing all this stuff. And it's real stressful toward the end because you're at, you do have a deadline. But yeah, it was just a really interesting way to do Something else that I have been enjoying is I have been reading it from Shakespeare. I don't mean the same scene. That would be weird. <laughs> the same one. He's almost very good. But a doesn't take that long to read some trading. I am. So that gives me a whole play every five days. And I'm just really chewing through Shakespeare. And you know what? He's good. I am really I enjoying this. I have never this. heard it. Anything. Everyone's a big hack. Your opinion is earth shattering. I mean, one thing that makes it fun is that there's so much Shakespeare that can be watched. Like the reason I watched Chimes at Midnight. I read Henry mm-hmm. IV Part 1 and 2. And I'm like, wow, Falstaff is great. What can I see? Oh, Orson Welles is Falstaff. Click, click, and I'm watching it be performed. Yeah, yeah that is amazing. Um, spent a lot of time living in a town called Ashland, Oregon, which is <laughs> where the Oregon Shakespeare Festival Heard of it. And the town I grew up in is near Ashland. So every year, whatever the Shakespeare Festival was doing, our school classes, grade onward, had to go watch the Shakespeare. And it was awesome. And um, so my background with Shakespeare is not, this guy's good, but... I have problems sure. because I've seen it because I comprehend it so much yeah. more in a movie. Uh, for me, I think I need to read it if you really get the wording down and then watch it. Ah. I watched a 1976 BBC Loves Labor's Love Ooh. that had Jeremy Brett in it, and it was I just couldn't follow it. So I went to a 1965 black and white one that ruled. Sometimes the... Yeah, and I love that it's all right there. Um, research is amazing. I want to read about the or I want to read about the plays as well as just reading them. But the first thing you get on the internet these days is a million Cliff's Note style sites that summarize the plot and provide some pre-written yeah. essays for students to steal. Well, you've got a really good energy. Well, yes. Uh, the thing is, if you dig a little deeper, the last four hundred years of Shakespearean scholarship are very available. You just have to know to search. So <laughs> I just started Much Ado About Nothing, and I'm also reading this book from 1904, which is a new variorum version, which means that it collects. All commentary up to that point. Oh, up until, ni- say, 94? Yeah, so 1623 is when it gets published right. in the first folio, up to 1904. This contains everything. So, like, here's what Samuel Johnson had to say. 50 years later, <laughs> here's what Samuel Coleridge had to say about what Samuel Johnson had to say. Oh, that's fascinating. It is fascinating because uh, many of it is not very polite to the person being refuted. And it's really fun to just read these centuries worth of scholars all squabbling about the meaning of this one law. I don't really go into all of it, but yeah. And the actual New Voriorum books are very expensive, but they're online, so they're right there, and you can read them. Yeah. Uh, I might be out of things okay. to talk about. Well, what me, do you let, have? Let me it again. Well, why don't you do that? Then? I haven't got much. I've done a lot more. I've been did a lot last year. I read some books that I read. The Tanana Reeve Do book, The Reformator, is a ghost story, but it's based but it is based on an actual place that existed, which was Reformatory with Boys in Florida and but it's such a great book. It's just yeah, these kids were sent 
to this place in Florida for doing nothing. The The main character in the book is sent there because he pushes a white after the white kid tries to grab his. And um, it's just a really good book, but it did make me. Oh. Um, I'm also reading the book of swindles, which are all swindles from China, from ancient China, that things that they used to do to swindle people and my favorite one involves covering yourself with uh brine so that a cow will lick your hand finding this cow and then convincing the dressing as a monk so you're very poor you're a monk and then you go and convince the farmer that the reason this cow is licking your hand so much is because it's the reincarnation of your mother who did not lead a good life and you, he should therefore sell you the cow very inexpensively <laughs> Because you're a monk and you don't have much money, but mother be slaughtered. Where do I get the brine? It's around. Oh, it's just... all right. Yeah. But yeah, that, it's, a, it's a really fun book of swindles and co- from back in cool. olden days are because I'm right now. Uh-huh. But trust me, it's uh, just called The Book of Swindles. Got it off Amazon. The author is Zhang. It's all awesome. Nice. Are we done? I think we might be done. Oh, my God, we're done. Goodbye. Bye.